2: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
3: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast, the podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game with me Russell Guyver and my co-host Peter Marsh. Hello Peter. Hey Russ. And to slow it down, welcome back to Andy Bass, a regular contributor. How are you doing sir?
0: Yeah, doing very well thanks.
1: Marvellous, excellent. Got your Albion hat on today, very nice literally. Yeah,
0: it's been a bit cold today so I'm still waiting for the heat, well, the heating is on now but I'm waiting for it to kick in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, nice. That's all good. Yeah, it's getting chilly, but we've, we're coming towards spring. We're coming towards the end of the season quite soon. The common, well, the, the final run-in, anyway, for the season, um, where it's all going to start happening, including an intense period of games for us. Um, it's sort of started already, hasn't it, really? Because we've had... Well, the weekend match in isolation is fine, but we've got a midweek match this week coming up in the Cup. Then we're away at Fulham. Then we've got another midweek game and so on and so forth. Um, the little matter of Rome, of course. Are you going and what do you think about the draw Andy? Uh
0: yes I am going and I'm very excited about it. Um should be a, should be an amazing occasion I think. This is this is what you want to be in a competition for. You want these big you want these big nights. Obviously you want to get through but I think we've got a chance of winning the match, winning the tie. Um but yeah it should be incredibly exciting. Um yeah, I'm i have not been. i have not been in a Stadio Olimpico for a for a football match. I've been there for a gig, but uh, oh. and, yeah, my atmosphere is going to be absolutely electric. So, yeah, yeah cannot wait. I mean, the weird thing is, I was only in Rome two weeks ago, so yeah. I, knew, I knew I'd be
1: getting back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, typical the way it works, isn't it? Well, you've you've doubly answered my next question, which was, have you been to Rome before? You've given two very clear indications. Yeah, literally, in literally
0: century. two weeks ago. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've
1: been before. Yeah, it's a new one for Pete and I. We've we've in both cases got our stuff booked up as well. Um, Hopefully, by the time people are listening to this, they have registered interest in tickets because that that is actually already passed as we're speaking, and it will be well past by the time people are listening to this as we're recording on Monday evening here. so uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, whoever wants to go has got registered, and hopefully they can get tickets. That's the I mean, thing. pretty much
3: everyone is, is going to do that because most people aren't, you know, foolish enough to miss the registration period.
1: Yeah, who would who would think of doing something like that? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so I'm, I may have may not have done that before in the past. Let's just say uh, it all worked out well in the end for the Amsterdam trip. Thanks for bringing that up on on air, Peter. Lovely. Uh, right, okay, one nil to you. Hopefully, I'll get an equaliser like a certain Mister Lewis Dunk did at the week. Mm-hmm. Great segue there. Four uh, hundredth league appearance. He's had many more than that overall, though, of course. And what a way to mark it by getting a, an important goal, uh, getting the equaliser. Well. We'll talk about it chronologically. So we'll get into the Lewis thing in a bit more detail later. Bit. But great for him, though, isn't it? The landmark and and to get, I think it's his sixteenth Premier League goal. I think he seemed,
3: right. he seemed quite pleased by it as well, as, yeah. as did Bart for bruggen as well. The celebration that he had was brilliant.
0: Yeah, I think there was a great sense of vindication at the end of at the at the end of the game. Um, we can sort of discuss my broader feelings about the result later, but <laughs>
3: but. Yeah. yeah, didn't deserve to lose. Everton didn't deserve to win as well. More importantly, no, I mean, they were a no, pretty dirty, physical team, and obviously, people are going to go, on a referee moaning again." But we again had a weak referee when when we were faced with a big team, physical team who time wasted the whole time. So, I mean, mm. Gilmore's red card—I only get a little bit of rant already. Gilmore's red card, I get. I think there was incidents in other teams had over the weekend which yeah. illustrate the inconsistencies of it. But I think if you go in for a tackle like that, you leave yourself open to getting a red card. The fact that the other two who didn't get red cards played for big six teams does always lead to the you know whole agenda for the big six. But but my bigger issue with him is he didn't send off Tarkowski. He committed a number of blatant fouls after yeah. he'd been booked and before Gilmore got sent off and before the goal as well, one of which was a clear yellow card and would have been any other time. But for yeah. some reason, having already been booked, he didn't book him again. And you could argue his booking was a, was worse than a booking because he flattened Welbeck. Yeah. They had two or three others as well where we had players like, I think Welbeck, I went in the first half where he was running down towards goal and the guy tripped him from behind and he didn't book him. They kicked the ball away every chance they had. They time wasted every chance they had. And he barely booked them for that as well. And he, I thought he was a pretty weak referee, to be honest, which is not what you need when you're playing a physical team like Everton. Also,
0: also, there was a foul in the build-up to their goal where Ferguson was... Pulled away from a defensive position by an opponent and mm-hmm. pulled to the ground, which I didn't see at the time. And to be honest, that sort of stuff goes on all the time. And personally, I wouldn't. I'm not saying their goal should have been disallowed. I, it should be allowed. I mean, it's a physical game, but given the events of the following day, really, that I don't, I don't see. I don't see the difference. That should be. That should have been a. That should, should have been
3: a our uh, goal, but yeah, I agree. If, but, if, uh, if Endo is offside and getting in the way of a defender, then surely if a defender's fouled in that situation as well, it should be the same, the same thing. Yeah, I don't.
0: Yeah, it's hmm. a bit yeah, of a free goal as well.
3: Bloody Brandfrey will hit that every t- about a hundred times, and he won't score again. Yeah, <laughs> it took it well. It was a good. Yeah, you know, he did, okay. but he won't. And, do. The centre half don't generally do that. It was a bit unlucky in that sense.
1: It's, it's really unlucky because <laughs> whenever you're featured on Football Focus, normally whoever that team will... Player is has a shit game at the weekend, so it didn't work for him. He was first. He off looked
3: in- a very good defender, but yeah, he the halves don't shoot like that into the top corner normally. Hmm. No. But,
0: but you know, I mean, we are sort of getting ahead of ourselves to their goal now. Um But before the game, I, I feared Everton set pieces. The, the their players are fucking huge, and um you know, and they create so create so few chances from open play but you know they, they do some good work on their set pieces and, and they're pretty successful um, and that was the third free kick in a row from that position that that Pickford took both of those previous free kicks were dangerous I didn't think we defended either of those too well maybe because the guy pulled Ferguson back that made it easier for the ball just to, I mean the ball just sort of bounced back to him but it wasn't defended well and they took advantage of it. But with the warning signs were there and we should have been better. And as frustrated as I am by Everton's tactics and uh, I thought the referee's performance in the second half was very poor, we didn't deserve to win that game either. I mean, we, we drew it because we, we, we weren't good enough to win it, hmm. I think. Um, so you know, I'm not. I'm not blaming the result on external factors of you know i would just say that you know we didn't do enough i'm glad that we got the draw because i thought we played some i do i thought we did play some nice football i just thought it was just kind of ineffective football the first half especially we played some lovely football that opening 20 minutes was just glorious and It's football that everton aren't capable of playing
1: hmm. although they funnily enough i watched i didn't go to the game had to skip that one I watched the sky extended highlights and they at one point amusingly were saying oh it's unusual to see Everton playing almost like Brighton because they're passing at the back for just one short period Um, as soon as he said that they hoofed it forwards and gave the ball away which I think might have led to the Welbeck chance where he poked it just wide I can't remember but I thought that was quite amusing but uh, yeah I mean we I listened to the commentary with Johnny and Warren on there and um apart from the fact that Warren calling him a drinker over and over again is driving me insane because uh, <laughs> he seemed to be mentioning him all the time um it I, I yeah it sounded as if we had a great first half apart from the the obvious putting the ball in the back of the net and it was also painfully predictable, wasn't it? The the tactics, um, the niggly fouls that I mean you you'll know a lot more about that than I would, because obviously I've only seen the highlights, so I missed a lot of the mundane stuff that <laughs> that occurred during the game. But it's the typical Everton performance, typical lack of um cover from the referees. Um I did see they showed one with James Garner, blatantly bundled someone over after twenty seconds, didn't even get a free kick for it. Um we still have possession. Admittedly, but we were passing it around in our final third. So I think we should be getting a free kick there. Um, And it does sound from what Peter said to me after the game that uh, it was the typical thing. Loads of niggly fouls, getting away with a lot, uh, stifling the play. Yeah, and and another
0: thing was like the going down and staying down in the hope that the referee would stop the game. One of the particularly egregious examples when, you know, James Tolkowski blocked, oh. sh- blocked a shot, not with his head, I think it was with his chest, his body. He went down and like, it was a good attacking position. We were just outside the penalty box um, and a, uh, an opportunity to get the ball into the box. Obviously, they, they had a, a man down, but it wasn't a head injury. It was not serious. He was just winded. And the referee stops the game. He laid down,
3: yeah, in the low. six-yard box, didn't he, pretty yeah, much. And
0: yeah, and he wasted a lot of time. You know, Sean Dyche wants to know whether he Extra time came from this was one particular because it, it took him about 90 seconds to two minutes to resolve this absolutely farshal situation when there was nothing wrong with him whatsoever.
3: And then they kicked the ball right back up into again. our half as well afterwards. Yeah, I was just, yeah, no advantage whatsoever. It's just
1: insane. And Absolute it's a typical. Insane. The typical fouling uh where, where we were winning free kicks, they're screaming and shouting and Dyesh is on the touchline remonstrating. Again there's one one moment with Garner, there was another one with McNeil where they picked the ball up. I think Garner's gonna thrust it down, doesn't do so, and then but then rolls it away, which I thought people were getting booked for earlier. Only uh, our players play, it's I think. the same thing. It's all only our fun. players seem
3: to get booked for that. But exactly, Zerbi yeah. gets booked for that he got booked for the incident where Tarkowski should have got a second yellow, yeah. which was a blatant yes, yeah, second yellow. And yeah, there is all over, shouting, mouthing off all bloody game, and doesn't get a yellow Absol- card. Incredible! Yeah. I
0: could not believe it. I could not believe it. I actually thought the ref was quite good in the first half, and I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah that's that's annoying good. for the people that sit near me. I am, I, um, you know, I really have to sort myself out and moderate my language a little <laughs> bit. Um... But I thought he was all right the first half. I thought it was good, and then he starts, to, and then like literally, like a minute or two in, he clearly lost control of the game. Hmm. And but like you know, I mean, I was, you know, but really, you know, despite that, we should have, yeah, you know, we should have converted that chance. The yeah. chance. And, and
3: I think that you're right. It draws a fair result. I think the ironically, I think in a way, us going under ten men gave us an advantage. Because Everton were a bit stuck between we're a man up we should be pushing a bit more Hmm. and also then kind of try and then but also then we want to defend a one goal lead whereas actually ironically if Tarkowski had gone they'd have just sat even more men on the box and had ten men behind the ball even more so than they did before and they'd have probably been more more effective but I think they were almost stuck with the should we go and get try and get a second should we try and do a nil and that kind of left them a little bit more you know kind of open at times and we actually looked more dangerous in the last 20 minutes than so we had done except for the last you know, other than yeah. the first 20 and yeah. obviously and Golden we created, from we created
0: that, some good chances of,
3: yeah there's the a real eight, scrambles well. a couple of times in the last 10 minutes or so yeah. one yeah. of which had about three different blocks and I think they checked for about two different options for a penalty neither of which looked like they were but no the, there, went there, there, like no, went there to, was no waiting for a bit.
0: There. Was, yeah. Yeah. yeah
3: but it was I think actually you know, I, and I don't think necessarily the goal came from that. The goal was just a really good cross from Pascal, But that we did create more in the last 15, 20 minutes when we just had nothing to lose and we just threw players forward. And they didn't know whether they should... They felt almost they should attack a bit more. But yeah. the frustration... For, yeah. I mean, the Dice thing is it ridiculous. I mean, the fact that he complains about nine minutes injury time, it's because your team, as Andy says, yeah. they do time wasted the whole second half, especially yeah. once they won one-0 up. They, they rolled around on the floor... And it is always the teams who are the most physical and the most dirty that always time waste the most as well and roll around. It's and like and quite often sorry, they're so they are northern, most physical, but also you go down the most easily.
1: Quite often they're northern teams and they do exactly what we talked about in the last podcast. They say, well, oh, oh, toughen up softies from the south and, you know, we're all tough and they've got these big brash teams like Sheffield United and Burnley. And as you said, they fall falling around. And if you don't want the injury time, Sean Dyche, don't get your team to fake yeah. injuries, simple as that. And um, the ref was Tony Harrington, by the way. And I'm presuming the two incidents you said in comparison with Billy Gilmore's. Uh, I, I think it probably is a red, but it's kind of, if, if it wasn't given, it may not get overtaken, overturned, I'm not sure. Um, but you're talking about in comparison with Casado in the cup final, the league cup final, and um, Harry Maguire for Very the Very specifically
3: Maguire, I think. Maguire's was, was I would say, possibly worse. Yeah, if anything. I know it wasn't quite as high, but the way he went in, I would say is actually worse than... Casado, you could argue either way.
1: Yeah, but, but he's, he's think... been quite wide out to make contact and then sustain contact yeah. for a second, isn't
3: he? I genuinely think Gilmore gets away with that if he plays for Man U. That's, yeah, what, exactly. that's my annoyance at the thing. And, I, and I'm, I'm not advocating for it. It was a silly challenge. He didn't need to do it and he overran the ball and should have just stopped and held yeah. back a bit. But, you know, it's, that sort of thing happens. But I think he... Yeah, I think they're playing for another different team, for a different. Yeah, he might have got away with it, even with the same referee. Well,
0: yeah, I, yeah, I, I've been saying it all weekend, so I am going to stick to it. I didn't think it was a red card. I think you give a yellow card for it. I just didn't think it was that much of an endangering tackle because of the the nature of it. He was generally played genuinely trying to play the ball, um, and he went through. It wasn't. It wasn't a he didn't. He didn't over. He didn't overly swing his leg. There wasn't a lot of velocity behind it. So I would argue that that was not dangerous. Now I'm but saying, the
3: made a meal of it, didn't he? I mean, he was obviously. Uh, and the other guy,
0: he did, I mean, it was just sort of coming together of two legs. It was, you know, just a block challenge. Mm-hmm. They were Both going in for it. It wasn't like a vicious assault. So yeah, you could say it's a foul. And to be honest, they are giving us red cards now. So. He's got no grounds to appeal it. Um, It would not get overturned if we were stupid enough to appeal it. So, you know, and I accept that. Hmm. Uh, But I personally still don't think that 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 challenge was worth a red card, even if technically you might say, you know, it was one. So I I can kind of see that. I see that side of the argument. But I did did not think it was a bad challenge. It It was just foul. Mm. um you know you're not gonna break someone's leg going in at, at that thing it was just changing. it was not that i just don't i dispute that it was dangerous um
1: yeah, um, yeah i and, think and, it um, wasn't as bad as i thought it was going to be when i saw it i thought oh okay yeah
0: i couldn't believe and, it when i saw it on the concourse mm. and everybody heard what i thought about it <laughs>
1: Calm down, sir. Calm down.
0: Uh, but, but opinion was split. I mean, you yeah. yeah. know, my friends were adamant that it was a red. I was well, I think
1: like, that that suggests that whatever decisions made on the field isn't going to get overturned if it's that kind of a decision. Yeah, I, yeah,
0: and I, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's also the case. I think if, if, I think if that was given as a yellow and they looked at it, they would say, "Okay, we'll stick with the yellow." So, yeah, yeah I think that is kind of rest call. But, but you know, yeah, I've seen them given so.
1: Yeah. Just to summarise in the first half, first of all, the uh, the team was, the uh, Bruggen was in gold again. We had Lampty and um, we had Igor playing in the wider positions. It was kind of like, was it, a, it was sort of like a three at the back though, wasn't it? With Van Hecker, Duncan, Igor. Uh, from what I can surmise, yeah. with Lamptey further advanced than that. Um, then we had Pascal Grosh and Gilmore, of course, in the middle. A played on the left where he had been shining more, uh, for the Ivory Coast. I think he, he played
3: on the side where there was a less attacking fullback. We played our one fit kind of direct winger on the side where Igor was, so Igor could cover. And then Lamptey was the attacking force down the right, basically. It was a kind of like, so we had some pace on both flanks with Matoma being out.
1: Yeah, because Werner Welbeck and Ferguson were the rest of the starting lineup, up And, um, I mean, it, it seemed to all be about Danny Welbeck looking at the highlights in the first half. He had, um, there's one shot that got blocked just wide. He tried to poke past Pickford when he came out a bit alarmingly from an edge I don't know what
3: Pickford was doing there, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he was lucky he not to pass a Welbeck, which was, could have been a red card. He was lucky that, you know, he could have hit his hand outside the area. It could yeah, have, and it, it could almost led like to a goal.
1: He, he could have prodded it straight in, couldn't he? Just wide, annoyingly. Yeah. And a lot of stuff seemed to be... There were a couple around. of
3: defenders around. I don't know why Pickford came that far out, to be honest. It was very odd. Mm-hmm.
1: There's a lot going on around Welbeck, wasn't there? Because obviously we mentioned the, the very strong challenge by Tarkovsky when he totally got um, turned by um, by the much superior player, in my opinion, Welbeck. To me,
3: that was, a, in a new sense, a blue card. It was a really nasty tackle. And Welbeck was down for quite a while. Yeah, it was, it was so- me.
0: That was... See, that was a...
1: That was a violent challenge. Yeah. Was, you know,
3: he just, no, he's a thug, Tarkowski, me. isn't he? He's like, yeah, he is a thug. Nasty, he is nasty, nasty. How on earth he's got the same number of England caps or something yeah. as um, Dunk is beyond me. He's just got no speak, real ability. Speak he's, just a, living as a footballer, he's just right a He's just thug. That's really. it.
1: Yeah, he is a thug. A smug thug sometimes. Don't forget, this is the guy that double handballed it and got away with it, leading to a counter-attack and a goal for years ago for Burnley.
3: And also double-handed double, double handed pushed Mopé in the chest when... Scoring for them at yeah. um in the yeah. first game back right. after lockdown as well.
1: He's got away with murder over and over again. He's part of the bogey team factor with Daesh, isn't he? Because he literally personifies
3: Daesh's team, doesn't he? In in one person. He embodies it in one, one, one person. A thug, basically, yeah, who's true. got limited ability, but makes up for it by basically just getting away with murder most of the time.
1: Yeah. And look at the stats, and this covers the whole of the game. Obviously, the usual sort of stuff you'd imagine from a game like this: sixty-five percent possession to us, twenty-three shots to their six, seven on target to their three. I'm surprised they got that many actually. Eleven corners to their three. Um, and um, I mean, I'll go into some wider stats that are kind of like a, a rolling total for, for our players over the season, which was certainly been enhanced o- over the, uh, the recent two to three weeks when we've been playing uh, Sheffield United and uh, and. Uh, and obviously Everton, amongst other games. Um, I'll come to that later on. But yeah, I mean, overall, I think that certainly the first half was better. The first half of the first half sounded better from the commentary. Um, we were dominant. We looked fast and flowing. And yeah, it's just not getting. Didn't
3: get that goal. And that's second half, it?
1: it kind of unravelled a bit, and it, it it typically dashed, didn't it? I think that's yeah, what. Happened.
3: Yeah, we, we we went down to their level, sort of thing, didn't we? And kind of. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think we, I think we did get dragged into it a little bit because I thought that opening twenty minutes was was great. It was just beautiful football. We were just passing it around. Um, particularly, then you the, get a it, goal.
3: Then Different yeah, game, the, move, isn't it?
0: the move to set up the I think the first Welbeck chance where it was kind of like the well, sort of like the far post from me um, when he was sort of going going towards like the the, the east side mm-hmm. of the goal. But uh, it did. It did. I think it was either saved or deflected
3: off someone. I think it deflected. So one that we just yeah. couldn't quite poke past the keeper, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was a
0: quite, move. But that that move started on our six yard box, and it was just that ball glided across the pitch. It was really, really, really nice, and um, and there was a lot of that. We went used to a Dinger a, ding a, a lot. Um. Yeah. And uh, I think the final ball could have been a bit better from him today. I think we, we, um, on Saturday, I think we really missed Midsummer. I think having both of them makes a big difference. Um, Mm -hmm. As good as Lamptey is, he's not uh, not Carew. And it was, yeah, it was some lovely, lovely stuff. And then, you know, once, once, you know, we had sort of been blunted a little bit, you just kind of felt that, yeah, Everton had got into a rhythm of, you know, where to place themselves on the pitch, you know, because obviously they're extremely well organised and, you know, disciplined in a defensive sense, even if they are slightly ill-disciplined in a foully, niggly sense. But, they you know, they know what they're doing and and they execute that plan very well. They've got a very good road record. They don't see a lot of goals away from home and you you can see why because i don't we weren't really laying you know we we danced around them a lot, but we weren't really lay, laying too many punches um in that first half a lot of the chances that I think we had three headers from the from the penalty spots from corners that all went to straight to pickford and i' i, I think the first the first one actually. Uh, which I think was Lewis Dung, and I could see that he would—he was the ball came to him and then he, he sort of twisted his head, very much like the, the Pascal Gross miss against West Ham where if he'd have actually just headed the ball back in the direction of the travel of the ball, so back against, you know, back against it, but he actually, because he was he, I suppose it's like an instinctive thing, you, you sort of move your head to try and generate some power was actually if he maybe just stayed facing the way he was and he just headed it back then Pickford would have
3: had no chance yeah the irony is I wonder if they can work on that according to uh, the match today it was the first headed goal Everton have conceded all season was was our goal and yeah all our best chances came from headers arguably yes. those two the third one I think was quite a soft one but the other two from Van Hecker and Dunk were really powerful headers and it, yeah, even slightly decided Pickford he would probably struggled to save it and those two were both like, I think they should have done more with them and yeah, then the I goal as it. well I mean it's to be, I think Dunn's goal was probably a much harder chance than the actual one he headed straight to yeah. Pickford but that one he was heading it yeah the, the, yeah, the ball came to him and he, and he headed the ball back
0: rather than trying well obviously he was not going to head it on because he would have headed it out of play but that's the that's the header he should have done. For that first yeah. corner. And I think, and I think, I, I I wonder how much of it is just an instinctive reaction when you're jumping and that you've got. Yeah. Because, like, especially when you're in the air, your shoulders are moving as well. But maybe just think, go up and then boom back, back the other way, and you might have a bit more success. But yeah. I mean, the, the actual goal itself was tremendous.
1: Yeah. I mean, in terms of dunk, uh, we mentioned already 400th league appearance, and he scores on it to mark the occasion, which is great. We've got to talk about Pascal Grosch in the build up there. Uh, he just, um, he sent him for breakfast, lunch and dinner, didn't he? There. I mean, he might as well have not been standing there, the defender. It was beautiful to see received the ball in from, was it a dinguer? I can't remember who it was now. Cut inside, twisted it back. I'm looking at it now as we talk, actually. And then obviously like curled the ball into the box, dunk gets between two defenders, heads it in. Beautiful. Bish bosh point to The cross but, had
3: to be perfect because I mean, as you're saying they've got yeah. so many bigger players than us. Had to mm-hmm. be probably for some, one of the one of those centre halves and yeah I mean it was a, a brilliant header. Um, also just as importantly, brilliant header off the line from Tarek Lamptey. I mean that oh, was insane. I'd given yeah. up on that. It's a superb volley. To be fair, they had only really two chances ever in all game or two decent chances, and both of them were really good hits. The yeah, to be honest, that was great. the
0: best. That was the best chance of the game. Um. And, and they created. There's it. a better chance than than we created. I don't know. It was
3: on the volley though. It was quite a tough one to. Yeah, to, yeah. they weren't necessarily that high on XG. I thought both of those two. They were yeah. both kind of quite difficult ones, technique wise. But I mean, yeah, he headed brilliantly, and I mean, I give an up. Yeah, they to weren't
0: me, actually. 0.29 XG. Yeah, so
3: it's not huge. They're not. Whereas I'd say dumped header from the first corner for our first half would probably be higher than that. I don't know what what sort of level it would be, but. Um, but, yeah, brilliant from Tarek Lamptey. What a, that is a goal in, on its own. You know, it's yeah. worth a equivalent of scoring. Yeah. He was brilliant. And it's like running at the smallest man on the pitch and uh, he was the one who headed off the line.
0: But, yeah, um, it was hit with some force, so he needed to yeah. be quite strong in that. In that. I was going to say, both,
3: like
1: both donkey and, yeah. and Lamptey there um, saved us from coming away with no points. As a result of getting the point, and um, we're recording this on... 26th of February it is exactly six months now that we've been unbeaten at home in, uh, in the league or in any domestic competition. Um, the only other game since the West Ham, 26th of August match, of course, was the Athens match uh, in Europa, which uh, caused no harm in the end. So um, that's another little um, landmark as well. Um, in terms of... Um, I'll, I'll come on to player, player stats for the season later on. Final word on this before we welcome in Phil Annette uh, for part two to talk about the FA Cup. Um player of the match for you who would you go I, with I
3: thought it's quite tough because I was going to say about about the subs as well because I thought this, we struggled a bit lost momentum a bit with the subs coming on because most of them have all just coming back from injury or just or haven't quite recovered from injury in a in a case of Estupinian who's never not quite hit the same level since injury and I think that's a problem we've got too many players at the moment who are just coming back from having been out for a while and yeah. there are attacking, a lot of them are attacking options. So we lost a bit of momentum going forward with the subs. Um, I think overall, probably Dunkey, probably, because he's got the goal. Had a solid game. I thought Verbruggen had a really good game as well. Nothing he could do about the goal. And he's, he looks more dominant. He caught a few decent ones off his line. And he and his, his distribution's getting better. I thought he had a really good there game. There was
0: one good moment that Verbruggen near the end of the game, where I think it might have even been when it was one all. And Everton had a rare attack, Um, and there was a ball. It looked like it was going to go out for an Everton corner, which would have given them like a very good opportunity right at the death. And um, and he sort of, but and he bust a gut to make sure that he he got on top of it and he he stopped it, which I just thought was a really good effort, Mm. and it was an important one because it would have I think it would have been like innocuous. Yeah, where it just all, like, all rebounded off our play yeah, I, think, I think he looks but like I thought, he's yeah, I thought he was good long. as
1: well
3: yeah hmm? I, thought, I thought he was good as well I, I, both, I, so. I hope he gets a real run because I think him and Steele constantly changing isn't necessarily the best thing I think if, especially at his age as well Steele maybe isn't so hard for him but at the Bruggen's age I think he he needs a bit of consistency I thought um, Van Hecker had a good game as well another one as as always he seems to be very consistently having a good game
1: it's very yeah, good. I, well, I, we got, we got, we got the points. I'm happy with that. Everton, of course, got, um, got the, uh, five points, uh, the one from the weekend and the four back from their 10 point deduction. We'll probably talk about that a little bit more, uh, later in the pod. Um, but we're going to uh, have a break there and then we're going to welcome Phil Annette in to talk about the FA Cup because the Albion, of course, next up are playing away at Wolves. So that's coming up in the next part. So welcome back to part two, and we are welcoming back to the podcast, Mr. Phil Annette our FA Fact File legend. Uh, Phil, welcome back. How are you, sir? Yeah, very well indeed. Thanks, Russ. Uh, always good to talk to you about the FA Cup. Yes, and what a round we had. I mean, it's not always the most exciting round overall for most neutrals, is it the fourth round? But when you get a team such as Maystone United, who are sort of in the playoffs in National League South... Um, I think it's, you'll, you'll tell me the details, but it's been a long time since a team of that level has got to the stage that they've now achieved by pulling off by far and away the result of the round, winning away at on-form, on-fire, high-flying, championship side Ipswich. What a result that was.
2: Yeah, outstanding. Um, and, uh, you know, they took their chances when they had them and they vote their luck as uh, anyone needs to do. Um, they only yeah. had two shots on target and scored both times. So it's pretty impressive stuff. And yes, they are the, uh, only the second team below step five to make it to the last 16 of the FA Cup. Um, Blythe Spartans were the last club to do so back in 77, 78. And people of a certain age still have fond memories of that FA Cup run. Um, and yes, yeah, fantastic to uh, see them still standing. Um, yeah. they are up against Coventry City in the uh, fifth round so having beaten one championship side away from home they're going to feel like why can't they do it again and uh, that itself would be FA Cup history in the making if they were able to do so it would be the lowest ranked club ever to make the quarterfinals of the competition so you know it's going to be exciting tonight it's either going to be really close and tense, or you know they'll be once bitten twice shy from the championship side
1: Yeah
3: definitely Yeah you find out of feeling that they can't have the same stats as last time and get through. They've got to match Coventry more than they did Ipswich, really. I mean, what was it thirty odd shots to two or something, wasn't it? In the in the end, something insane like that. Yeah, I mean,
2: it's, it's ca- crazy, crazy stats that you see once in a once in a season, once in a decade. Maybe. Their goals
3: were both brilliant. That first goal, yeah. the the ball through and the finish were insane. I mean, the, the ability there was was fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah. there no go- there's no defensive errors or goal line scrambles yeah. or balls bouncing off someone's hip or anything. This was proper championship at least and probably Premier League standard goals there, weren't they? Really well taken.
2: Yeah, and Coventry will be very wary of that, obviously, having seen how well that they were able to break away and uh, obviously still fresh in the mind of Coventry fans will be last season's defeat to Wrexham. You know, so they Mm. were already knocked out by a non-league club last season, so they won't want a a double Mm. and and the older fans will still remember with bitterness the Sutton United defeat. Yes. Uh, back in 89 so you know the, these uh, wounds are very long time to heal and uh, yeah. you know they do not want nose reopening
1: yeah uh, what I like about Mason as well George Elacobi's been brilliant is not he a real personality a former sort of like high level player but he's uh, he's coming at, at that level of management and he's doing a really good job seems to really be Firing them up with passion and belief and heart, which um, is part of what's going on with them, and also guy, the guy Corn is it that scored the second goal is the most old-fashioned-looking person I've ever seen in my life. He's got he's got a, a World War Two haircut, <laughs> and um, he looks he doesn't look the healthiest of individuals, but he, he looks in shape. But he uh, he looks like he's, he's he has too many uh, fried breakfasts um, <laughs> from his complexion. But who cares, you know. It's all, it's all about those sort of players. He looks a classy player, really, And in terms of on the field. He looks great. And um, I wish him well. Obviously, we're recording this early evening before the game's on. By the time anyone's listening to this, we'll already know if they've succeeded or not. If they have, fantastic work. If you haven't, you've given been a bit of credit to yourselves anyway. Um, what are the, the rest of the um, the previous round then, Phil? What do you make of that? And what do you make of the upcoming fixtures uh, this midweek? I mean, it's well. Midweek is one of the things to comment yes, on, isn't yeah, it? As well, yeah, a is, break of tradition.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Very unhappy with the state of affairs with the FA Cup as it hits the fifth round. Yeah, I thought not you might. Only, be. <laughs> not only getting into uh, midweek fixtures, but also one one-off matches, no replays. Hmm. You know, all the things that make the FA Cup different and special from other knockout competitions, and it's all been diminished. And unfairly as well. It's, uh, you know, it doesn't, it's not, it's not the cause of fixture congestion, uh, FA Cup replays. It's, uh, it's just something that seems to be unwanted by the, the owners of clubs at the top of the pyramid and that uh, FA feel the need to sort of out to those demands to keep them interested in the competition. But we are where we are. And, uh, yeah, we've not seen many shocks in the, uh, FA Cup this season. Um, Aside from State United, who are obviously outstanding, there's only been one Premier League side knocked out by a non-Premier League team, and that was West Ham back in the third round, losing to Bristol City in a replay. Uh, so that's been quite unusual to see so few shocks. Um, and you know, we've we've got at least one Premier League side in the quarterfinals, a uh, non-Premier League side in the quarterfinals because of the match tonight. Um, but there's a fair chance um, that the other seven places will all be Premier League teams. As a Leeds United fan, of course, I'm hoping uh, that's not the case. Um, still uh, with a chance of getting into the quarterfinals for the first time in over 20 years. That'd uh, be quite nice uh, for me, who loves the competition like I do, to see my team doing so well. Um uh, seem to be cursed uh, on that front, but uh, touch wood. You know, to, this week might be the week.
1: Yeah, we were talking on the last pod, weren't we, um, for, for the last round, that uh, you'd had this ridiculous run of away draws in the competition. Yeah. And lo and behold, you get a home draw and you're through, you know. Yeah, so <laughs> we had to win it away from home. So but you, yeah, exactly. save yeah. yeah. them then, you couldn't you couldn't resist an away game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then that we good, to
2: an away tie again.
1: It's a good cup tie in the sense that it was a good, nice big crowd, Plymouth fans looked quite partisan. It was a good atmosphere. I watched um, most of that game as well. And, um, yeah, I mean, in the end, it was, you know, Leeds, Leeds got the edge towards the end, but um, a decent cup tie in the end. Um, but um, what do you see happening in this round? Have you, I mean, have you got any hunches? And are there any quirky stats beyond what we've already quoted so far for this round coming up?
2: I learned a long time ago not to predict what's going to happen in the FA Cup <laughs> because it never, never, ever turns out as I think it's going to. Um <laughs> I think it's quite quirky that uh we've got AFC Bournemouth there that if they win against Leicester that would equal their best ever FA Cup run. So that's quite quite poor performance for the Warriors in a premiership uh, Premier League side to mm. uh not have ever have gone beyond the last eight of the competition, of course. They were Did they
1: get there with Eddie Howe, do you know? Yeah, you know? they did.
2: It was about five years ago or so they were last in yeah. the quarterfinals. finals.
1: Mm.
2: Um and but they've never met Leicester in the competition before, so that was another uh surprised to see those two teams who've played since the 19th century never
3: to have actually met How many times have we met with Brighton and Wolves played in the FA Cup?
2: Just the once um and it holds a distinct record uh, in the FA Cup uh, one of the quirkiest ones that I like to find in that it's the uh, longest combined names of clubs from the league to have played in the proper rounds of the competition uh, yeah. I think Wolves also played Kidderminster Harriers which I think matches it um there's a, a couple of teams from the in the um rounds who have a much longer combination than the forty three letters that your two teams
3: make up. Um
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's my quirky little stat about uh, mm. Wolves. wolves What's the score? Sorry? What
3: the score when Brighton play when we played Wolves?
2: Uh Wolves won three two, I believe. So revenge should be on your mind to try and get
1: yeah. that back. It's been all I've been thinking about for weeks. <laughs>
3: yeah, you can tell I'm I'm really, really angry about it.
1: <laughs> I can tell it's simmering under the stairs.
3: Having not uh, not known it happened. Till just, <laughs> just waiting for it to come out. I can see that.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be an interesting game. I, I rate Gary O'Neill. I think he's doing a good job. It's gonna be a tricky fixture. Um we've been away from home in all three rounds so far, and I don't know uh, I suppose it must have been a number of times that people have gone the whole way through with um drawing away games at each of the rounds where there is a home ground involved. Um, but I've, I've got a funny feeling if we do get through, we're going to get another away game. It might be one of those. Could be a Leeds, you never know. They're going to be drawn at home all the time, aren't they? Maitstone <laughs> away. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Maitstone would be nice. Yeah. i do not sure I'd
3: get into that. I think it'd probably be quite be a massive fight for tickets.
1: Mm, quite
3: possible. It'd be quite funny to go from playing Roma home to Mark's Maidstone away, though. That would be a an interesting kind of jump in a, in a space of like three days or...
0: Yeah, we we have got to beat Wolves first, though. <laughs> and,
3: uh, I've got to say, yes, that a tough game.
0: the The three two victory to, to Wolves sounds rather prescient to me. I, I think this is going to be a, I think it's going to be a really difficult game, and I, mm. I make Wolves the favourites.
3: They should have won at the Amex in um in January in the league game.
1: They could have done. Mm. Uh, I
3: think
0: they have the chances, yeah, I and we're the favourites in this game. I think that I think that. They're they're so far removed from the team that we beat 4-1 earlier in the season. They're they're really good now. They're in excellent form.
3: Um, And you could argue we are quite removed as well from that team in a sense that no March, no Nciso probably from the start, probably no Matoma from the start. That team
0: has been removed.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Physically, but... um, No Gilmore, of course, as well, this one. Yeah, I mean...
1: yeah because yeah, the people... band carries into the cup doesn't it as yeah. well
0: yeah. yeah i mean i still feel that the are we're, we're treading water whilst we're waiting for everybody to be or a reasonable core of people to be fully fit and up and running um as peter alluded to earlier we've got a lot of people that are just coming back from injury we don't know how 100 percent they are and um and we're playing a lot of matches about but, but it, this is an important game i i think You know, I mean, it's great that we're seventh in the league, but I think that is going to be a difficult position to defend.
3: We've got a really tough run in, haven't we? Yeah, it's
0: going to be a difficult... It's not an impossible position to defend, but I think the two cup competitions just present us with such a great opportunity, you know, for success and a historic moment for the club, first of all. But if you are really... Hell bent on getting us European qualification for the next for next season, and then really winning one of the two cup competitions. I would argue is is the is the way that we're going to do it,
3: and In the um, most fun way as well.
0: Yeah, the, and the most and the, without a doubt the most fun way to do it. And yeah, which is why I'm really really nervous about this Wolves game because yeah. I just got a sneaky feeling Wolves are going to going to take that dream away, and having come so close last season with the, the you know the penalty shootout and the final I'm in the semi final I think I'm confident if we if we were in that position again to play like man united or even man city in the in a semi final I
3: think we'd beat them but it could be a really tough quarter oh, final I don't think
0: we're going to beat wolves tomorrow on uh, wednesday is <laughs> a real weird position
3: it could be yeah. a really tough quarter finals because there's some really big teams who are playing teams who aren't so big so it could be a really Really, um, yeah, interesting kind for of the top-level quarterfinal. We're obviously, Coventry and then potentially Bournemouth or Leicester. Because Bournemouth struggling a bit at the moment. But everyone else is probably going to be top half or at least 11th or whatever if Chelsea get through. Phil, what what sort of Chelsea do you think you'll face tomorrow? One a bit well, down I, after yesterday or one desperate to kind of like compete in the one competition they've really got left?
2: Well, I was pleased how yesterday's game went. For them to have gone 120 minutes and then lost it at the end yeah both soul-destroying and sapping of energy. Yeah. Once they've got a deep squad and who knows what team they're going to put out, maybe they've learnt a lesson about playing with kids. I don't know. Maybe they'll put the kids out. Mm. Um I think we've got a... Leeds have got, you know, no, nothing to lose. Um mm. It's a free hit for us, as always, in these situations. We've never beaten Chelsea in the FA Cup, so that's something I would like to see put right. Mm. Five times we've faced them and lost every time. In fact, the last time we've we met was in the cup final in 1970. Um Interesting stat about that. Well, I say interesting. It's, uh, it's the last time two teams met in a cup final that had never won the cup before. So, oh, right. Yeah, right. so we've now gone over, what, 54 years since uh, since we've had a final where both sides are yet to have lifted the trophy.
3: Yeah,
2: so that's the last time. Frankly,
3: well, oh, t- Maikston in this year's final We'll be like that. that yeah. That's <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. Is, that is an incredible stat. <laughs> It
2: is, isn't it? Hey. It, is, it is hard to imagine. And, and funny enough, the, the previous one was Leeds-Liverpool in 1965, which, uh, oh. again, is a bit of a shock that Liverpool hadn't won it up until that time. Yeah. Like the fourth or fifth best team in the competition's history. So, yeah, it really
1: uh, is. Wait, no, in ten... Sorry, go on. Yeah. I was going to say,
2: that match was watched by 29.8 million people, I think. So I don't know whether we'd expect to get the same kind of viewing figures on ITV4 for this fifth round tie, but... Uh, should be interesting if we give it a
1: go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of, um, I mean, obviously, if we, if we get through, if Leeds get through in both our cases, we'll be we'll be hoping that there'll be some nice horrible clashes between some of the big guns. Obviously, kind of filter them out a little bit, and then, as you said, get get a Maidstone or maybe a Bournemouth or something like that. But we've got to, as you said, we've got to get through the round first of all. Wolves is going to be difficult. I agree with you, Andy. I think that's going to be a tricky one. Our record overall against them, of course, is pretty good. I've got the head to head here. Actually, we in all competitions we've won nineteen, drawn fifteen, and lost eight. So not too bad. Um, but they are trickier in the recent couple of games. They are, although they were
3: pretty poor yesterday against Sheffield United. That's the one. Yeah. made me think maybe that you know it, it, they're not okay. quite the. You know, they were. I thought they they were very lucky to win yesterday.
1: Mm. And they had to play later than we did, obviously, as well, which is quite nice from our point of view. Yeah. Um, in terms of Wolves, have they? Uh, what's their record in the Cup um, field? Do you know, that they—I I don't know if they've won it or not. I think they probably have, haven't they, at some point? Yeah, yeah, I don't kind of i I think, four times. Basically. Yeah, yeah. But not not since nineteen
3: sixty. So, mm. but not since yeah, the yeah, Billy Wright era, sort of thing, around that sort yeah. of time. Yeah. Pretty, pretty
2: 2019, strong. Twenty nineteen. It could have been Brighton Wolves in the final because both of you were. Beaten semi-finalists that season, so yes. I mean, they were t-
3: they were two up, weren't they, against Watford, and, and yeah, threw so. it away. Yeah.
1: yeah, I bet Watford wished they didn't throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that, that
3: was a 6 0 final, wasn't it? Or yeah, it was.
2: Yeah, that was a disaster for Watford. But uh, no, it's like you. I think did you play Sheffield United earlier in the in the competition this season? We did, yeah, last round. That could have been last season's final. So you
0: seem to be setting a little bit of a trend here. Oh, see, I wish that was last season's final. That would have been brilliant. <laughs> Same <laughs> results.
1: We have been scoring a lot of goals actually in this competition. I know earlier in the in the comp, Aldershot were top of the pile, weren't they? But their massive scoring, including that that wacky was it seven four at was yeah. Right? yeah where they were seven 0 up. And um, we've scored. Obviously, we got um we've, we've scored free free scoring at Stoke and Sheffield United, um. Obviously, if we don't get through our fixture this midweek, we won't end up being top scorers. But what, what's the, uh, what, do you know what the overall record is for the numbers of goals scored in that one tournament? Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot here. If you haven't got that yeah. to hand, don't worry, but...
2: The, t- the highest score is, I think, 40. So you've got a long way to go to get anywhere yep. near that. But that well, aren't nice. we
3: close to the top of that? Because when we, when the year that we ended up not being, having to qualify yeah. because we weren't in the, yeah, top we won really like 10 nil or something in the first yeah. qualifying round. And,
2: yeah, you had nine games and you did score a lot of double figure get, uh, results on that run. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, you, 40 is the most that I'm aware of. Um, yeah, that's
1: going to, to be work. tricky. It's not
2: happened
3: these days. The team forgot to register. On there. I know. It, it,
2: it's not happened for a while, but it has happened more often than people realize. Really? Um, it a dozen times or so over the time. Wow.
1: Oh, magnificent. Well, we're we've, we've going to break off for our epic COP part and part three we'll talk about on any other business a few other bits to chat about phil i don't know would you want to stay on for that or you've got to i've got it? to go
2: um okay. yeah, well, really
1: quickly then just just give us your uh your contact details well not contact details your uh, follower details not
3: your home address and your <laughs> your mother's maiden name <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i'm a banking bank details as well is that what you want yes yeah pet um, pet's name and all that <laughs> yeah no uh uh, I, I run a couple of accounts on Twitter at FA Cup Fact File for that competition, the FA Cup and at FA Vars Fact File for that other national competition and uh, you can go through the FA Cup Fact File one to uh, read my previews of the fifth round plus I've done a special blog on the 11 non-league clubs that have made it to the last 16 in the competition in the past uh, that made Standard the Chief this season
1: oh, wow. Fantastic, Fantastic. That's like a good read Really good, yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us as always, Phil. Yeah, so well. to, yeah. We might get you one again if we, we continue our interest in the Cup this year, possibly if there's some, some reason to get you in later on, we will do. But if not, I'm looking forward to next year when it all starts again and you get – how many is it that enter at the first uh, – from from the off?
2: Well, you, 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 in that extra premium round, you'll have um, over 400 clubs uh, <laughs> competing in that first round and 730-odd in total take part in the competition. It's yeah. Incredible. And and many more would love to.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course, there's plenty more would like to and can't. And I mean that is the beauty of it, isn't it? That that's the real the real heart of this competition for me. I I'm I'm with you hundred percent. I know that's where your passion lies with those early rounds. And uh, it really is great. I love watching all those games when someone like Mansfield or um, or Cheltenham are the Giants to be killed in in an early round or even before that with the non league, you know, there's various stages you go through and um it's it's great it's always great to see so excellent well oh, until to next week you entry, no, entry in again and then you better experience it for real with Brighton. <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> yeah, so I'll we'll get on to Tony Bloom get him to screw that up for next season. <laughs> It'd be brilliant if we did it as as winners. Imagine we won the thing and then forgot to enter that'd be even <laughs> funnier. <laughs> we wouldn't care at that point would we really if we'd already won <laughs> Phil, thanks as always. Cheers. My pleasure. Good good to talk to you guys. Cheers. So, yes, thanks again. Uh, to phil annett for joining us there for the fa cup section of the podcast really looking forward to the game on wednesday will be i'll only be watching at home i'm still budgeting to give myself more t- more time and money to spend on european trips hopefully and we were just talking off air about how excited we are and how quickly it's coming up as well just now moved into the next week already of course because it was all happening around friday we're now only a week away just over a week away from the trip can't wait um We'll obviously do a match day special or a match trip special. I'm sure when the time comes. But coming back to this episode, I did promise some stats, and here they are. Sky rolling these off on their um, on their Sky Sports News channel. Um, but I think they're they're getting more interesting now um, because a couple of other names have popped up that weren't on there before of an Albion flavour. Um, in the most assists category, Ollie Watkins and Kieran Trippier are now top with ten each. Joint second is Pedro Neto of Wolves, who of course has come back into action recently. Uh, Mohamed Salah of Liverpool and a certain Mr. Pascal Gouche. Uh, notice I'm saying Gouche and not Grosch, uh, Peter. Oh. We've been chastised by our regular listener, friend of the show Dan H, who said it's not. I'm not having this Grosh this Grosh shit. It's. Grush. I thought he was level top now. He's apparently not. According, to I thought Spotify. he had ten now
3: and after the weekend and.
1: Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm, I'm just going with their stats. Let's roll with that. I mean, you might be right, but most chances created, um, he's took He's joint top on. So that might be what you're thinking of. No, I as thought he would
3: was... go on top of the assist list
1: as well. Okay. Not sure. But on the chance creation list, Bruno Fernandes, one of my least favorite footballers of all time, is top with 74. Oh, yeah. So he's, he's one ahead of Pascal Grosh with 73. And then you've got Odegaard, 66. Trippier and Saka on 63. In other categories, um, this he's been right up there for the whole of the season, actually, Lewis Dunk on this one. Um, most touches. Rodri is way out ahead, two seven four three. Lewis has got two thousand five hundred and three touches over the season, which is madness. But Pascal Gouche is now up into third place with two thousand four hundred and sixty-four entering the list for the first time. Trippier and Saliba behind them, a few hundred behind. Most passes, Rodri again is top with two four one six, Lewis with um two two nine six, then you've got Saliba, and then you've got Pascal Grosch with one nine six one, and Jean-Paul van Hecker is on one eight seven five in fifth place, entering one of their stats for the first time. Not too bad, eh? Pretty good. But it shows I think it's finally the stats are starting to reflect maybe a little bit more, just quite the influence that Pascal's having in particular. Um and obviously, continuing to show in the case of Lewis as well, um, they're still underrated, aren't they? Really, I suppose maybe this. I mean, not top-
3: by not by us, I don't think. Not by Deserby because I mean he basically said Pascal is the first name. It, literally, it's a team sheet plus him, and, and Dunkey's probably next on the line. So I don't think that they're too the arguably. He doesn't ever rest, doesn't ever really give time off to, and so I would I would say not underrated by Albion fans, maybe by Premier League fans. Um, yeah. Maybe by journalists, that sort of thing. But yeah. I mean, yeah, they're two, probably our two most important players, aren't they?
1: Yeah, definitely. These these came were, as of after after the weekend's game. By the way, I don't know, I don't know how accurate they are, but um, certainly it does seem to. Yeah, Cro- suggest that
3: Grosz has definitely got ten assists now could he you set the one up at the weekend.
1: Yeah, well, I thought so. I thought he must be on that. He definitely has. I've seen
3: him top of that list. Also, yeah. bizarrely, Watkins I think has ten assists. Ten assists from an expected assist of three or something. So whoever's yeah. taking the chances from him is uh, doing really well.
1: Or well, he keeps miss kicking into the path of his teammates or something. I don't
3: know. Well, no, yeah. I mean, it would suggest that he's passing to someone like like Estupinian assist for like Mitoma at um, at Wolves, for example. You know.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Only
3: one assist, but probably a, an expected assist of zero point zero 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 one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Andy, sorry, you wanted to come in on that as well. I
3: was just going to say, I I think people are talking about
0: Pascal a lot more now. I, you know, when you listen to um, things like, you know, the Times podcast or Football Weekly or um, the uh, Totally Football show, Pascal's name comes up quite a lot more than Dunk's does.
1: Hmm.
0: So I think there is an appreciation of Dunk. I think. the assist, just the assist ratio for Pascal is is crazy. He's got his germ. He's now being called up to the, the national side, mm. and um and and people like talking about how he costs like fifty p. <laughs> and just like you know, that I mean, people like talking about like you know pound, you know best pound per pound per. Pound
1: yeah, per there's ratio. a narrative to that, isn't there? Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, and he's just and he and he's one of them, like you know, three and a half million quid for like one of the best. Midfielders in in the Premier League's just crazy, um, and you know he's just he is just brilliant. We can't, you know, I mean, you, you know two years ago I was saying he's too old and slow. Yeah, you know, I've, I've looked stu- I've looked stupid after many of my football football um, comments. <laughs> oh but I think I think that is by, by far and away the most egregious <laughs> um, error that I've ever made in football um, analysis. I think I was just never been so happy to be so wrong because he's he's undroppable for us and like you know if he's not in the side it's a massive massive miss
1: and looking at that game of the weekend you've got Grosh setting up Dunk the two players we've just been talking about sums it up and also Van Hecker as we earlier mentioned had a good game in, in that match as well um and yeah those three are on those stats lists and they're they're showing what they can do and uh, it's it's great to see Um, Speaking of the Everton game as well, well, not the Everton game itself, but the aftermath, um, they'll be disappointed having got so close to getting the win um, that they were forced into the more justifiable draw, as far as I'm concerned. However, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, they have actually got five points this weekend because the 10-point deduction has been reduced to six on appeal. Um, There was a general thought that that would probably get reduced to some degree, I've no idea if that's fair or not. Who knows, really? I well,
3: mean, I it makes the rules pointless, doesn't it, really? I mean, it's
1: it does a bit, six points
3: know. when you've overspent the way they have over the years. And the, yeah, the, the the general disdain they've had for the rules is kind of like, well...
1: It, it, it's, it's true. Just... I mean, I think the argument was that they've got... they got what, Was it one more point than Leicester did for going into administration? And that does at least kind of like negate that argument now saying well you've got less of a points deduction than Leicester so it's more proportional in that sense I don't really know what the right amount of points would be how do you how do you kind of quantify that it's difficult I think 10
3: was right personally yeah that's uh, quite a big chunk of a season's points six feels like it's two wins it's not that much they've broken the rules consistently over the years you know just absolutely taking the piss and yeah clubs like us who've actually stood by you know follow the rules and, you know, kind of uh, been financially stable, we deserve. And I don't think the administration ones are fair either. I think teams like Palace and Leicester got away with it massively over the years. I remember being in the Championship with Dean and thinking, you know, these clubs who've been administration have still got this squad, multi-million you know, million pound squad, and they're coming and competing against us on our tiny budget, and it's really not fair then either.
1: Well, I think, Andy, the um, the toughest thing here... From this bit of news, is for Forrest, really, isn't it? Because both Everton and Forrest still have the potential for points deductions to come for a separate scenario. Um, we don't know if it'll be um, a similar quantity of points deducted, if there is any at all. But at the moment, it's put Forrest down into the firing line. They're just above the dividing line at the moment. Everton have gone up two places as a result. So the table at the moment is Sheffield United 13, Burnley goal difference ahead of them, then the seven-point gap to Luton on 20, There's now a four-point gap from Luton. Well, they're obviously... They they suffer as well with this decision, Luton, obviously. Luton are four points adrift now, but it's now from Nottingham Forest on 24. Brentford are on 25, but they've got a game in hand on Forest and Everton. Um, That's
3: tonight, isn't it? They're playing West
1: Ham tonight. Uh, Luton do have a game in hand as well, I should mention. And then Everton are are now above, obviously above Brentford on goal difference because of the uh, deduction uh, on 25. And then you've got Bournemouth and Palace on 28. So... Yeah, I mean, if you, if for, for a minute you imagine that Everton and Forrest both get, say, five or six-point deductions, that's going to put Forrest right in the mire. No one was really talking about Forrest before, but they're really in a very precarious position now, aren't they? Especially with Luton showing so much fight at the moment. I
0: think, yeah, yeah I mean, I kind of expect Forrest to get a six-point deduction now rather than one that's going to be Sort of appealable if they if they, you know if the authorities feel they over-egged the Everton one, then so be it. I you know I personally think it's it's completely partial I think ever the narrative about, however you know how Everton have been hard done by is completely bogus. I mean I think that's exacerbated by the fact of how terrible they've been. I mean they've cheated but they've got nothing in return for it.
1: Hmm.
0: I mean. You know, I mean man yeah, and I and I know there's the I and I under I do understand the frustration, well what about Man City and Chelsea? I could I completely get that and those teams need punishing, but the cases are not the same. It was as a one regulation, it was clear cut that they'd broken it. And they'd admitted it. And I suppose they wanted some you know, mitigation for that. But but they'd done it and you know but they didn't they hadn't benefited from it because they've spent that money really badly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, the people, they, they shouldn't be angry at the FA, they should be angry at themselves for not knowing what a good footballer looks like. Hmm. Because they don't buy any. <laughs> you know, yeah, I you mean, yeah, you know, Deitch, 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 Deitch is keeping that, Deitch is keeping that team together. He's they're very limited in what in what they can do. So he maximises Yeah.
3: He well, that, that's it. why Everton's rather like up themselves fan base. They've actually accepted Dice, whereas like when Anna Dice was there, one or two others, they they basically hounded them out because they thought they should play a certain way of certain style of football. But I think they finally but, accepted I, now that you know, they're the rest of us. to it.
0: For the rest of us, it's just like turgid football year after year of them just occupying a spot in this division. <laughs> it's kind of you know, I mean. It almost reminds me of like Hugh and S Brighton, but then you know we came into the Premier League with like no Premier League style budget whatsoever, a slightly more limited group of players, and we had to do that because we're basically just trying to we're just trying to finish seventeenth first couple of seasons. Um, But but you can't sustain that. But I mean Everton, just boring football all the time. It's just. Just it's just it's just I don't know just joyless sort of having to go at Everton here, but but like what is the point of Everton right now? I think, you know, you've got some history, you've got you know you've got a big you know big fan base that turns up that's very passionate. They were you know you know, when they actually did sing on Saturday, they were very loud, but it was they they were waiting until till they scored.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's it is a trick, and, and, and it's
0: just it. like, oh, isn't it sad about Everton? No, it's not. They broke the rules. You look at Luton; they're, you know, a team yeah. that suffered mad badly from like, well, didn't they get a thirty-point deduction?
3: Yeah, they did.
0: Yeah. so, um, no, I'm not. I'm not having it. Luton, you know, Luton are within the rules at the moment. They're fighting hard, and this and this team has just decided to like throw the win. I mean, Everton's just an incredibly badly run club. They're now being, you know, I, and I, you know, I do actually fear for their fans now because I think whatever's going to happen with this 7-7 takeover, hmm. you know, I mean, it shouldn't happen. They're not fitting proper persons. Does it? I mean, I think that's why the league are dragging their thing, but hmm. when they say no, Everton is screwed because 7-7, have lent them loads of money and they'll probably want that money back straight away. And they do not have it. Yeah. So.
1: They're, they yeah. are a mess, on not they? They really are in a mess. And I mean, it, it's not Dice hasn't benefited from the players. You're right. And if they put the six points back on, because I don't think that's on him that they're, they've got those the 25 points. They'd be on 31 already. And the, and that's playing attritional football. It's not what I like to see. I respect his ability to, yeah. to get tune out of teams doing that because it's not easy. Nonetheless, but it's, it's just not enjoyable. And well, I'm not sure
3: they'd be on 31 without that points deduction, to be honest. I think that galvanised them and they really kind of had a yeah, good run maybe, after it happened. Maybe.
1: Yeah, that might be I'm true. I'm not
3: sure they'd have had that really good run of three, four wins yeah. in the space of six games, whatever it was, without one, that.
1: One thing for sure, Peter, um, what Andy just said there about Luton, I mean, Luton must be so pissed off with this because they've in the past, in a different scenario, as you said, had the thirty-point deduction. Yeah. They're seeing Everton get ten-point deduction. Okay, maybe proportionally that might be about right. I don't know. They, I think they felt pretty aggrieved with the thirty points. I remember. Well, that, the thirty
3: points was embarrassing. I mean, the football a football league should be ashamed so of themselves they, for that.
1: They must be thinking, oh, good, at least I'm, we'll get some sort of comeback here. And then half of the comeback nearly has, has been um, yeah, taken I mean, away. Which the whole is thing's really an absolute
3: fast, and they oh. the, it shows how badly run the Premier League is, and. Everton fans have behaved pretty appallingly and moaning and that sort of thing, and the way they've reacted. And it's like, well, you deserve it. You you broke the rules. Yes, all right, you can point to Man City or whatever, but Man City are, could yet still be given a huge point deduction. That it's an ongoing process. And just because Man City did, doesn't mean you've got a right to break the rules yeah. while the rest of us have stuck to it.
0: Um, yeah. I think when, when they eventually get round to adjudicating on the City, they're getting relegated.
3: It's just a matter of how many divisions...
1: What? But, I think so? Yeah,
3: it's quite. Because, I, I don't think they will. I think they'll bottle it. Not, not, not with
0: not with that many not with that many charges. The amount they'll of probably
3: will... find them guilty of some though, but not all of them or something. They'll yeah. they'll they'll find but, a way. they have
1: got
3: will... zero faith in the Premier League. To be honest,
1: I reckon they'll give them a just about achievable points deduction. Achievable in terms of. Getting out of the relegation zone, Could yeah. be quite entertaining. But they'll be
0: excluded from Europe for a year or two. There's but... precedent. There's precedent with um, what happened with Juventus. Mm. There is. Italy, I, I it, it's League, but... with Rangers in Scotland. These things, and like you know, and it, it, yeah, it would mean nothing to City if they if that happened to them. They'd suck it up and they'd get back pretty much straight away. They, but even if that happens, you know, they they've won the Premier League multiple times they've won the champions league they've got a good chance of winning the champions league their fans have watched some exceptional football over the years so yes there's been they have financially doped their team but their fans have had a you know a massive reward out of it they've got yeah. loads out of it Everton,
1: and the paradox is if Everton, they get relegated Everton,
0: all they've got is a nasty hangover if city their get a thing to- has not worked they've they're yeah, on the exactly. financial
1: dope. Andy, if they get, if City get relegated, they'll have the extra bonus of they'll they'll be winning games every week anyway, and having a promotion to celebrate. It won't be the same as winning titles, but it's not as if they're going to be in abject misery completely. They'll be able to go around some new grounds again. You know, some of the some of the grounds that have been updated or teams that weren't in there last time they're in League One. Or the championship, you know, it's, even then it's not as bad as it could be. It's not my idea of utter misery, um, but we'll see what happens. But in terms of I, editing,
0: think the, I think for the credibility of, I mean, you could argue that the financial, you know, there's a debate about, you know, what purpose do these rules serve? What is, you know, why are they in place? What, what is it that they are trying to prevent? Are they trying to prevent clubs spending irresponsibly to go to prevent? Club's going out of business, or is it just simply like a, a sort of cap-style thing to ensure some um, sort of parity in the game? I, I, you know, at the moment, the rules seem to be badly drawn up, and they and they seem to fulfil neither purpose.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think the they are aimed at trying. They were originally aimed at trying to stop clubs overspending. The problem is in doing that, it just increases the domination of the teams with the most money. Yeah. And that's always been the issue for me. And I, in a way my view is partly that if you if you are a billionaire and you support Accrington Stanley, why shouldn't you go and invest billions of pounds in Accrington Stanley and build them up to being one of the biggest t- sides in the country? Now obviously in reality that doesn't happen and it's it's people like the Saudi Arabian owners of Newcastle who do that and then basically you're owned by a country which means you've got infinite money and then you throw it Obviously Newcastle would be a lot better now if you didn't have financial fair play because they would have, you know, they'd be to go and overspend rather than mm. worrying about financial fair play, etc. The frustration yeah. for me is it does also mean that the likes of Man U and Liverpool and Chelsea, you know, are given an advantage because they've got more income.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: big, yeah. I mean bigger clubs are going to have an advantage because they've got more income. But well, that doesn't seem... I, I don't have a problem with that. You've got more... More income. I mean, we benefit from, we benefit from a, you know, from a benevolent owner. So we, so we now have money, more money. So, I, I'm yeah, I'm not entirely against your your point, Peter. Even though it just gives free reign to yeah, a smaller number of clubs to continue their dominance. It does seem to be designed to do it. But the, but if City aren't um, if they if they aren't punished suitably, then these rules will just have to be thrown out because the the credibility of them mm. will just be wrong because you know they would they would have essentially got away with it. Yeah. Other team and other teams will do it, and then and that will be like the you know your Real Madrid. Team. Yeah, you, I, I think whatever happens. I mean PSG, PSG, Barcelona. I mean all the you know this superpowers of financial superpowers of european football just sort of make a mock make I I don't know make a mockery of the game but it, i think there's i think there's room for regulation in football but it but the top teams will not have mm. a proper one because they won't talk about redistribution of wealth in in no. the football you, the should, like, you know in the nfl ironically it's there's a much better system, yeah. which is more equitable, which gives more teams chances.
1: Speaking so of um, spendthrifty kind of uh, big clubs uh, with with big attitudes and tile and crash clubs, Ballbag FC, a.k.a. Chelsea, losing the cup final was obviously amusing from our point of view as non-Chelsea lovers. Um, it was also quite convenient from the European point of view, wasn't it, as well? Because that keeps the European place open through the league routes, um, wherever that might sit in terms of this Um, You know, the European um, uh, coefficient, which might get us a fifth Champions League place and then sixth and seventh will be Europa, eighth will be the conference, but we can't rely on that. We might need to get into seventh to qualify through the league route. So Chelsea losing was quite handy. It's also quite funny uh, from our point of view. so that's one bit of good news. wanted to talk very briefly about uh, Blunderland. Uh, sorry, Sunderland. Don't know mispronounce that one. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, they've got their new um, third and final part of their series on Netflix, um, Sunderland Till I Die. Um, looking forward to watching that. If you really want to see car crash clubs, that really is the one to look at, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Clubs who rather more sadly are struggling, though. Um, Torquay and Rochdale have been having some serious problems. Rochdale are not getting in the funding... They seem to be stuck in a bit of a rut in terms of getting new funding in. There are some potential new investors, but there's a lot of tie-ups with small stakeholders that aren't allowing their shares to potentially be sold. So finding the right buyer that's prepared to take it on the terms that are, it's, a, it's been forced to be available on and not looking good. Torquay have applied to go into administration as well. Two big clubs who are currently in non-league but are not traditionally non-league clubs at all. Bit of a worry there. Um, some better news in non-league, though. Um, certainly not on the playing front. Worthing back-to-back defeats, which is a bit of a gutter, A brain tree doing the bloody double over them. That was a bit of a nightmare. But, but for your old one of your old local teams, Andy and Peter um, Barnett, some interesting and exciting news from them, isn't there? They're going to move back to well, almost the same site in Underhill, uh, general location, aren't they? Well, yeah, think-
3: pretty much exactly where it was. Well,
1: yeah, it's
0: just- the actual proposed stadium that that Barnett wanted to build. Before the Tories
1: first place, yeah, burned it down. This is a new council, I'm presuming, because Kalantathos didn't get on at all with the, the council at the time, did he? That was, it was well, it a was, on their part, wasn't it? Pretty much,
0: yeah. I'm, st- I'm still annoyed about it because it, it, it was, well, you know, Barnet historically has been very, very conservative. Um, and then in 1997, it became Labour, and then uh, and then the Iraq war happened, and it went back to being a Tory council, and the guy that was. Running the council was an absolute rabid anti-football hmm. git um, He just loves football. He wanted Barnet out, and, uh, and, it, and and they got and they got their way. You know, that club has been there for over a hundred years, and um, well, they built a school there now. So I hope the residents are really uh, happy with the peace and
3: quiet that that will uh, give them. But uh, so it's like the same short-sightedness of Lewis District Council and and Falmouth Council and that sort of thing. When you look at the money that you know Lewis has got out of Brighton being at Falmer the number yeah. of people who go to Lewis before the game, after the game, never been really that much trouble in Lewis, if any, and the amount of money that supports the economy. And yet, you yeah, know, Lewis District Council, if they had their way, would not would have been nowhere near there. Yeah, so I think it's
1: about maybe wanting football types in the area, wasn't it more than anything in both cases. The they wouldn't
0: they wouldn't even allow they wouldn't even allow them to go to um Coptor where the where yeah. saracens are now. Yeah. yeah. we even let that but I but, oh, no, but we'll let yeah, we'll let uh Premier League rugby club build a stadium there yeah. and kick Barnet out of Harrow. They're playing in the Middlesex senior cup now. I know this is not interesting at all to our listeners, but <laughs>
1: That's all right. It, well I've, it drives I've seen... my gears. I've seen them play a number of times. Underhill is one of my most visited grounds, uh, London grounds. Obviously, that tally has stopped racking up as then it's no longer there. As you said, it's a school now. But I've been to the um, Beehive as well, uh, the Hive, sorry. Um, and uh, it's a, quite a nice little sort of venue there, but it, obviously it's not. You know, it's not in Barnet, and that's the whole point. It's coming back to Barnet, mm. and it is for anyone that's been to Underhill. Um, you've got uh, you've got the cinema and a pub up on the High Road there, and then just a short way along, tucked down slightly on the south side isn't it of the road um is where the ground used to be and then just behind that there's some playing fields and some green spaces and it's yeah. somewhere in there which is where they're going to now develop so just slightly just slightly south of where the original ground was i don't know how long they were under hill but number of years but it's good it's good news anyway it's good news about
0: 100 about 100 or so years they were
1: yeah top. yeah i thought it must have been um i'm gonna have one final rant as well i've, I've been watching the efl highlights today and um uh, I've been. this has been pissing me off for quite a long time. The Ronaldo celebration, which is the most pathetic, cringing and horrendous celebration, as in the Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, his soothing where he jumps and turns uh, from one direction to the other and does that arrogant little pose that really is cringing. There's now a player who's actually a pretty decent player, Brazilian, called Ronaldo or Ronald. I think they were pronouncing it Ronaldo on the commentary. Who's playing for Swansea. And he's doing the celebration. Obviously, he's playing up to the name. He's doing that celebration. There was a guy called Gabriel who scored for um, Blackpool as well. He was doing it. Um, I'm naming and shaming it because I find it repulsive. It's the most shit celebration in the history of football. And that's saying something. And why do people keep copying it? It's not your own celebration. Get your own idea and you're not going to be you're not going to be praised by association with ronaldo just because you score a goal in you know for a, for some team in league 1 and then just jump around like an idiot anyone else share my irritation with that type of thing i mean i'm not that bothered I'm <laughs> honest. it
0: is it there, is a, it is a rubbish it is it is a rubbish celebration now it's suitable
1: for him i suppose but there are far probably. more
3: annoying things in football
1: I don't know. That gets my goat a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be it. Um, yeah, I mean, there are worse things, of course. But I like to moan about all sorts, Peter. You know, keep it fresh.
3: I like I to vary like your moans about various things.
1: Absolutely, yeah. You can't just moan about anything. Keep You're... it
3: fresh. Keep it interesting.
1: Yeah, that's right, yeah. I'll add that to my latest list. There might be goal celebration moans. We'll have to re- reprise cliche of the uh, of the week as well. At some point, and, um, difficult place to go is going well. Yeah. Uh, we've got, uh, Scarborough on the list now as well, for some reason. And, um, bizarrely, Leeds haven't been on until recently. Um, but they're, they're in the list as well now. We're up to about 65, I think. So that's given a, going...
3: given a train strikes, Roma could be a difficult place to get to rather than, <laughs> yeah. Uh...
1: yes. Yeah. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, there's, um, there's supposedly going to be quite a lot of, uh, industrial action. A general strike is being described, um, across the Rome area. Uh, on the 8th, which is the Friday, um, which is when people will be, a lot of people will be travelling back, me included. Um, I know some of you are staying longer, <sighs> but for us, us proles that have got to get back to work, you know, um, it's it's going to be, hopefully it's not going to be as much of a problem as it might be, especially as I've got to go back to Milan to get my return flight as things currently stand. But we'll see, see what, how that works out, fingers crossed. And that is, of course, just next week. Um, and yet, yeah, Despite that, we've got to get another um, game out, of the, another two games out of the way. We've got Wolves on Wednesday, FA Cup. Any thoughts on that? I think it's going to be tough. I think we've already said it, haven't we? Really? I, I, I agree with Andy. I, I, think think. I
3: think Wolves are favourites, with us having so many games and still so many injuries, it's got to be Wolves seven the, on the day at home.
1: It's got to be settled on the day, which will be a good thing in this case. I agree with Phil about, you know, you don't want to disrupt the tradition. Yeah, back.
3: but we can't afford replays at the moment. Not at the moment. Not for <laughs> us. The fact, I have no idea when we'd actually play it if we did have a replay.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a tricky one. And then Fulham at the weekend. Um, so, Andy, your thoughts on those games?
0: Well, both difficult games. I mean, we've got, we've got three difficult away games in just over.
1: You know, difficult just over places them. to go, Andy. Um, yeah, so a lot of travelling. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> Yeah, Fulham's going to be tough, um, but they're but they're a hit and miss side. But you know, some weeks they're really good. They you know they beat Man United this weekend and deserved to win it. Um, so it was nice to see them not mess it up after you know their FA Cup meltdown last season, where the, where they were miles better than them until they decided to chuck the game away in the last fifteen minutes. Mm. Um, so it depends which Fulham we play. I mean, if we play the good one, it's going to be difficult. I do also it depends which Brighton turns up. I mean, I think yeah. we need Mitterma back. Up? We, yeah, we need we need we need Mithama back. We'll need to see what happens in the middle with the Gilmore replacement with Belaber and Moda, which is you know, I mean it's 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 sad for Billy that he's out, but this is a really good opportunity for either Carlos or Jakob, one that they probably wouldn't have got if gilmore was
3: fit i actually don't think it's bad timing if he had to miss three yeah. games yeah. with the european games coming up he'll stay fresh for them yeah. and you know one of them is at least in the is at least in the cup and you know there's two winnable games on paper although I realize we haven't actually beaten fulham in premier league so yeah. it's not really that winnable but we we've we paid time and time again for that ridiculous game in the championship where they absolutely battered us and we somehow won 2-1 yeah. we, we
0: had them a like lot two shots in the shots. championship Mm-hmm.
3: Quite
1: often we we undeservedly beat for them. Yeah. So, yeah. The
3: last time we played them was, was crazy. I mean they I think they missed a penalty, they had chance after chance, went ahead, and then we scored twice in a space of two minutes, and then they battled us again afterwards.
1: The game the other side of the Roma match, of course, is Forrest at home on the Sunday. Um that's not gonna be easy and it's a juggling act, isn't it, getting who plays when. In terms of, I'm gonna end on the on a stat actually. And this is, a, this is a great one. Um, Fulham, in terms of league games, our head-to-head against Fulham is very intriguing at the moment because we've won 20, we've drawn seven, and we've lost 20. Uh, both sides have scored 66 goals in those 47 games. So it couldn't be more evenly split at the that moment. Is,
0: that's ridiculous. <laughs> Isn't
1: it? I <It'd laughs> guarantee to be a draw the weekend then. I think, think that stat of the uh, month, that one. I, Guaranteed yeah, draw the weekend Someone someone told me a few weeks ago after we last played them that the stats are now like that after we after our last game. Um, but yeah, I can't remember who told me actually. But what a crazy stats! <laughs> so that's going to be a, a, a score draw, isn't it? Then <laughs> got to keep that going. Anyway, on to the next one. So I will probably be doing a, a mini review, possibly with the gents after the uh, the Wolves game. Um, so we'll get a bit of opinion on that one uh, for that, and then we will do a match day special. I think. Peter at the weekends. uh, Yeah, sounds good. You'll be there as well, Andy, um, at the game? Yes, I will be there. We'll let you know where we are. Maybe meet for a beer. Who knows? Excellent. All right, guys, thanks for joining us as ever. Thanks to Phil from earlier as well. Um, Boys, up the Albion. Stand or fall?
3: Up the Albion. Up the Albion.
0: Sports Social
2: Podcast Network. Life's better with American Family Insurance.